Okay, welcome to Progressive News Network on Blog Talk Radio. In fact, our combined show, Progressive News Network slash the Environmental Justice Report. Thus, PNN, EJR was born. I'm your producer and host, Janine Moloff. And if you saw our advert, and again, we're having kind of a hard time getting the word out because uh, Facebook has moved us way down in terms of the algorithm and all sorts of delightful little things. But we will start to advertise, hopefully, on Tribal. But if you saw our advert, uh, basically it says, you know, the, the headline is Details of Scam, a.k.a. also known as Fossil Fuel Permitting Reform. You know, have you ever noticed in politics, especially where lawyers are concerned, they're always looking to reform something. And when they use that word reform, there's this implied idea that there's something wrong with the state of affairs as they are. Uh, It is kind of a very mild form of, you could say, slander, actually. So, Permanent fossil fuel, excuse me, fossil fuel permitting reform really does speak to the idea that fossil fuel companies and producers actually have to follow some laws before the government says, yes, you can build this facility. It is no different than when, you know, let's say you want to build a house and it has to meet certain legal uh, safety specifications, but big business doesn't like that. So this is more on the alleged permitting reforms movement on the mining and transporting of fossil fuels. And it's demanded by both Democrats and Republicans. And I'm calling it out as nothing but a big scam. Uh, It's a scam in terms of environmental concerns. In addition to violating the rights of communities where these pipelines and mining interests will situate their operations. This is about so much more than obviously the dirty deal that Joe Manchin worked out with Chuck Schumer regarding um, the Mountain Valley Pipeline. Both parties are working overtime to render two environmental laws, NEPA and the Clean Water Act, impotent. Now, the Clean Water Act, the name pretty much tells you what it is. A lot of people don't know what the acronym NEPA stands for. NEPA has been known for decades now as the People's environmental law and it NEPA stands for the National Environmental Policy Act okay and really this is the legal this has been called the Magna Carta of environmental law it basically says local communities have a right to question whether or not fossil fuel or mining interests going through their lands one have a right to do so and two that their operations be relatively safe in terms of health and safety concerns. It's that simple. NEPA says, local communities, you have a right to question this. You have a right to demand an environmental impact statement. The feds just can't, uh, the state even can't just swoop down and say, too bad, so sad, it's going to happen. So I have no problems with the NEPA law. I think it was long overdue. That's my analogy. It came about in 1969. Now, the advert goes on to say, and I'm sorry, I'm kind of in bad voice today, the carbon capture and storage scheme. You add that to this mix, and you have what I call a perfect storm of what are, in my opinion, lies, half-truths, 
misinformation, and other forms of obfuscation, which some call greenwashing. Greenwashing is the environmental equivalent of whitewashing. If you recall, back in the day when we wanted to call out corporate for all sorts of things, their public relations people would come out and they would be accused of whitewashing. In other words, of making something bad sound like it's really not bad. Well, greenwashing is the equivalent of that when applied to environmental issues. It basically says these big companies um, have their public relations people put out commercials and statements and sponsorships and all sorts of stuff to make it look like they're being environmentally good stewards when the, the fact is that they're not. Okay, it's a way of, to borrow a very crude comparison, greenwashing is the environmental equivalent that companies are putting lipstick on a pig. Okay, so, and as for carbon capture and storage, it has never been proven to be effective. In fact, sometimes it actually requires the use of more fossil fuel to capture this carbon and then store it underground. Uh, and so I call all of this not just greenwashing. I won't be that nice. I call it what I think it is, criminal enterprise that's aided and abetted by our corrupt political system. That's all I'm calling it. Uh, I know each show, and this probably will be a shorter show, I usually say when I'm going to actually uh, allow callers. Uh, if callers want to call in, it will be at the end of the show, after I'm done with the Jackass of the Week Award. And we have a couple of prime jackasses this week. So let's go, let's start first. Everybody now, everybody knows about Joe Manchin's Dirty Deal. Okay? Well, let's kind of review it anyway. This is an article from Food and Water Watch, and it is. It was published August 26th, and the headline is Manchin's Dirty Deal Must Be Stopped. The subheadline is Senator Joe Manchin's vote for the Inflation Reduction Act came with a dirty side deal. If fulfilled, it would be a huge win for big oil. We won't let it pass. Now, by now everybody's talking about this, all right? Um, the Inflation Reduction Act acquired Joe Manchin's yes vote in return for this dirty deal. And it part of it is the, what's known as the Mountain Valley Pipeline, where they say they're going to be transporting, you know, um, you know, clean gas. Except that's a lie. It comes from the Marcellus Shale. And it's not gas at all. It's what's been known as tar sands. And it is the dirtiest, most dangerous coal out there. There's... It's not liquefied gas at all. Um, but anyway, on August 18th, uh, Food and Water Watch had some organizers take action, and they staged two sit-ins, both in New York City and Seattle. And why those two cities? Well, they were going after two top Democratic senators. One is Chuck Schumer of New York State, and the other is Patty Murray, who's part of the Democratic leadership as well. Now, Keep in mind, there are still insurrectionists from January 6th that practically two years later, and they still have been brought to justice, even though 
they wanted to overthrow the government. They were hunting for humans. Um, they intended to commit murder, but we're still waiting on those prosecutions. But these peaceable citizens, they conducted two sit-ins. And there's a picture here. You can see out at Patty Murray's uh, uh, Seattle office, there's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Looks like nine of them sitting down in the lobby of her office with signs. That's it. And it was the same in Senator Schumer's office. And in both instances, the sit-in protesters were arrested very quickly. Very quickly. Um, And you have to wonder about Chuck Schumer and Patty Murray. Okay. Now, Keep in mind, they made a dirty deal with Joe Manchin for the pipeline, but part of the deal was also for this permitting reform, and that's what they're really after. Um, keep in mind, the Republicans, led by um, what is it, uh, Senate Republican Senator Shelley Moore Capito, as well as um, Republican Senator Roy Blunt, have their own, I think it's called a start bill or something, and it's the same thing. It's permitting reform. We're going to get into that in a few minutes. But the Inflation Reduction Act had strings attached, and and we shouldn't be shocked by this, Uh, all right? Uh, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema have basically taken totally illegitimate advantage of the tight numbers in the Senate. And they have essentially held any legitimate progressive or democratic agenda hostage because you have to pay their bribes to get their vote. That's it. Now, Joe Manchin, we've talked about this on the show before, and I do have my documentation. There was a video that surfaced, uh, God, months ago. And in it, one of the lobbyists from Exxon said, oh, we talk to Joe all the time. I mean – He's so incestuously involved with the big fossil fuel companies. They, he's their boy, all right? You know, good, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something kind of crude. Good old Joe, when he sees that the, uh, the Johns, shall we say, from the fossil fuel company use this, uh, this hooker-type uh, image, Joe just gets on his knees and services them. That's it. That's what Joe Manchin does. And this was no different, except now you have Senator Murray, Patty Murray, and Chuck Schumer, in terms of legislation, getting on their knees servicing Joe Manchin. And it may be crude, but it's accurate. Uh, This is an instance where instead of using the legislative stick, like Carrie Reed used to do, or like LBJ did, find Joe Manchin's Achilles heel and take him to task to get, it, to get him to vote in line. No, instead they give in to this bully. And that's all he is. He's just a cowardly bully. But the Inflation Reduction Act came with strings attached. So in exchange for the Inflation Reduction Act, which was a bill of worth $370 billion with a B, They promised Joe Manchin that they would introduce legislation that would fast-track permit approval for new fossil fuel infrastructure. Now, keep in mind, this administration has bragged the Inflation Reduction Act comes with a lot of environmental help. We're going to cut our carbon emissions. You know, 
It doesn't. It doesn't. This this reminds me of uh, my mother had an aunt Mary who was very diabetic, and she would take her insulin and then eat half a chocolate cake. This is the legislative equivalent of that. What good is it to uh, subsidize or to give some tax help for, for actual renewables like solar and wind if you're going to fast track whatever big fossil fuel wants? Okay, you're, you're not even coming out even at this point. But that's what they did. And it is a horrible concession to the fossil fuel industry. Uh, and the reason we found out about the side deal is because this one-page summary of the deal leaked out. And the one-pager outlines changes to NEPA, the National Environmental Policy Act. Now, this act has protected local communities for decades now. And what it does is, in part, it requires developers to, quote, assess potential environmental impacts for major projects and gather community input. Okay. This goes on to say from Food and Water, Water Watch, quote, with these changes, the bill would gut environmental protections, endanger public health, and sidestep community say. goes on to say, quote, the one-pager also references the Mountain Valley Pipeline, a fract, as said fract, not liquid gas, this is tar sands, a fract gas pipeline that would cut through hundreds of miles of Virginia and West Virginia, the surrounding communities have fought the pipeline in court for years, and courts have struck down multiple permits granted to the project, as documented by bgov.com. The pipeline, quote, would also cross the pipeline, okay, quote, goes on to say, the pipeline would cross almost a thousand streams and wetlands and would spew emissions equal to 26 coal power, um, I'm sorry, let me go again. Listen to this again. The pipeline, quote, the pipeline would cross almost a thousand streams and wetlands and would spew emissions equal to 26 coal-fired plants. And that is as documented by priceofoil.org, which is a think tank. Now, again, fracked gas, tar sands. It is the dirtiest coal out there. And what's really frightening is if it crosses these streams and if some of them feed into drinking water sources, we have a real danger because between the fracking fluid that is used in these, in these pipelines, we don't know what all is in fracking fluid. We, we did find out that benzene is one of the components, and that's a proven carcinogen, as well as the tar sands coal itself. Places where similar pipelines have ruptured, and ruptures occur frequently, um, the water there cannot be cleaned up. It has been ruined permanently. This is not like a regular oil or gas spill. This is something we don't have a method of cleaning it up. We don't have a way of recovering that lost drinking water at all. Okay? Uh, the one-pager would also tighten the timeline for NEPA review. Uh, and a group called Appalachian Voices uh, said that this could force agencies to, quote, take reports by developers at face value rather than doing their dil due diligence to fact-check claims, end quote. Okay? And, again, I looked at part of this 
not only this deal, but this one pager, but I also saw the Republican bill as well. And they would reduce the time period to, I think, 90 days, which is way too short. You know, if you have an agency that's already understaffed, there's no way you can do that. And that's why they want these shorter timelines, because once the timelines run out, they can't do another environmental impact review. That's what it boils down to. Uh, And it gets worse. After the one-pager leaked, a draft of the legislation from aboutbelaw.com, that's the document, uh, came bearing the watermark API. Now, the one-pager leaked, there was a draft of the proposed legislation that Big Fossil Fuel wanted, and it came on apparently on stationery, you know, fancy stationery, with the watermark, like a lot of corporations do. And this one was API. Who is API? The American Petroleum Institute, which is the lobby group for fossil fuel. Wow. So this came straight from the fossil fuel industry. It wasn't because some legislators thought, hmm, you know what, we need to moderate on this kind of, you know, review. No. The API, the American Petroleum Industry, basically just told Manchin here, do it. And then he did it. And the Republicans, the same thing. Okay? Um, This, according to this from Food and Water Watch, quote, the draft legislation would require the president to create a list of 25 projects with, quote, strategic national importance to be fast-tracked through the permitting process, and at least five of those items must quote, produce, process, transport, or store fossil fuel products, end quote. So how is this bill fairly representing all possible sources of energy? It isn't. It is basically saying big fossil fuel gets whatever they want. Okay? Now, they go on to say that Two of these items must be for bogus, quote, carbon capture scams. They call it that, and that's according to Food and Water Watch. And it would lead, according to Food and Water Watch, to more pollution and also more carbon pipelines like the ones that are being fought in Iowa right now, according to Food and Water Watch. Okay. They go on to say, and that's why we combine these two, this story really is an environmental justice report story, but it's also a political story because making side deals with corporate actors, with separate corporations or industries, that's not, that's not democracy. And in fact, that's not legitimate rule of law. That's cronyism. That is systemic political corruption. Okay. Now Manchin of course claims he's serving the interest of his constituents. Uh, even in the face of the fact that there were plenty of West Virginians that fought the pipeline. And that is according to NewYorkTimes.com. Okay? We know Manchin has, we know that Joe Manchin is the top recipient of money, campaign contributions, and air quotes, from fossil fuel. Democrat and Republican alike. He is the top recipient. Okay, and I'm just going to say it. Okay, Citizens United, be damned. In my, you know, there's a record somewhere. Scalia knew when he wrote Citizens United, he knew it was BS. 
It just is. When you take money or favors of some type with the expect from some source, with and you're a politician with the expectation that you're going to give them something in return, something specific, something that benefits an industry. That's not a campaign contribution. That's a goddamn bribe. Period. But that's what's going on. So I'm a little on a rant tonight. I, I This is kind of on the fly. By the way, I am doing an article on this, though, which will be much better organized. So there's also, according to Food and Water Watch, this stakeholder called Next Era Energy. And this group has donated both to Manchin and to Senator Schumer. So, you know, once again, when you take money, whether you call it a political contribution or not, when you take money from a group and they expect something in return, a quid pro quo, that's a bribe. Manchin and Schumer are both lawyers. They know better. Okay? Now... The expectation is that Senator Schumer will attach this garbage bill to the budget bill. And we need a budget, but this is an instance where Democrats that are decent need to stand their ground and say, no budget then. It's not going to happen. There are some 650 other organizations that all signed off on a public letter, okay, demanding that Democratic leadership stop this dirty dog of a deal. Okay? It's all over the media. It just is. And and this is ridiculous. We're going to go to um, our next piece. And, you know, we know that what this is about really is about fast-tracking fossil fuel permit reform, which would – and the result would be to render the NEPA law in particular – which stands for, once again, the National Environmental Policy Act, it would render that just totally ineffectual. Okay? Sometimes environmental impact studies take time. They usually cannot be done in 90 days. And if it's a complicated case and you put that fast track, that time limit, you basically have said, we're not going to do a deep dive investigation. Keep in mind, we are in a nation right now where there are certain states that don't have clean drinking water. We're in a nation right now where there are certain states that, like my home state of Missouri, that are living with the damages of illegally dumped nuclear waste. You know, we needed NEPA. And we were, you know, kept from it. So let's go to the next piece. What is permitting? What is this permitting fix about? Okay. So let me see now. Give me a second here. Okay. So this next piece is from Earth Justice. And they do some good stuff here. Um, their slogan is because the Earth needs a good lawyer. All right. And Earth Justice came about... Um, They are the premier, this is straight from their website, quote, we are here because the earth needs a good lawyer. Earth Justice is the premier nonprofit public interest environmental law organization. We wield the power of law and the strength of partnership to protect people's health, to preserve magnificent places and wildlife, to advance clean energy, and to combat climate change, end quote. Okay. 
So we're going to go back now. So these are lawyers that specialize in environmental law. Now I'm going to warn the audience here. You can go online and type in environmental law and environmental lawyers, and you will find quite a few corporate, corporate law firms that claim they practice environmental law. And they do. But they're on the other side. Corporate law firms are working to basically destroy any environmental protection so that corporations can do what they want. So Earth Justice is trying to, you know, keep us safe. So this piece here, um, it was just written by Earth Justice. It doesn't list a separate author. The headline is, The People's Environmental Law, the National Environmental Policy Act, or NEPA. Learn how the National Environmental Policy Act helps communities protect themselves from dangerous, rushed, or poorly planned federal projects and join us in defending it. Okay? And I'm just going to read, you know, from this, okay? So the first paragraph, quote, when the government wants to build a toxic waste incinerator in your neighborhood, run a dangerous pipeline past your child's school, or put a massive costly freeway on top of a wetland, a federal law gives you the right to fight to find out and fight back. That law is the National Environmental Policy Act. It ensures you have a voice in major projects built in your community, end quote. Most of us have probably never heard of NEPA. I know in my home state of Missouri, there is a wonderful group of, of women called Just Moms, and they've been fighting the battle of what we call Westlake, where basically throughout the St. Louis area, there was an enormous amount of illegally dumped radioactive materials. Uh, and this was in the buildup to the uh, Manhattan Project. And we were lied to every step of the way. Then they started dumping it so that you have these two uh, landfills. And one landfill contains um, basically quite a bit of radioactive um, waste and, and fuel tubes. And the other one hasn't been maintained and it has a, they call it a, a basically it's an underground methane fire. All right. And these things happen in, um, in, um, excuse me, I'm having a hard day today. Uh, in these type of dumps, if you will, these landfills that have been improperly maintained. So if you have a landfill and it hasn't been properly maintained, hasn't been properly vented, overloaded, and this can happen, you will get these subsurface, they call them chemical reactions. It's an underground methane fire, and it can roar on for, for years. And this underground methane fire is coming dangerously close to this radioactive um, waste. We don't know if all of them you know, some people argue this is the making of a massive dirty bomb. Um, a lot of people said, no, that's not, not that's nonsense, but we have cancer clusters that nobody can, can explain. And, you know, this law, the NEPA law, was formed in 1969. I was a child then. Even growing up, I don't remember ever hearing about the NEPA law during the 80s, 90s, 2000s, and largely because I guess the media didn't talk about it, but we need to be talking about it. 
NEPA, if if NEPA had been known here in Missouri, we could have done something more about it. Okay, but this is what's happening. So this is so the NEPA law gives you a voice. Okay, and these this dirty bill, this dirty deal that Mansion worked for himself for big fossil fuel, along with Chuck Schumer, along with the 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 Republican bill that's being pushed by a Republican um, Shelley Moore Capito and Republican Roy Blunt and several other Republicans, they both feature this. Okay, make no mistake about it. That doesn't happen by accident. Both corporate Democrats, notice that corporate Democrats, corporate Democrats and Republicans as a whole want to basically nullify NEPA the only tool we have, and they want to take it away from us, okay? Um, Since this infrastructure bill is passed, and this is really the biggest infrastructure bill since the New Deal, according to Earth Justice, quote, as the U.S. embarks on the most active period of building infrastructure since the New Deal, the NEPA process is an essential bridge not a barrier, to building in a sustainable, just, and equitable way. When communities are engaged from the start, the result is more inclusive and resilient projects. When communities are silenced, we we risk repeating the cycle of environmental injustice that leaves low-income neighborhoods and communities of color bearing the most pollution, end quote. And they're right. In large part, this is about environmental racism because the areas that have been dumped on the worst are areas that where communities of color live, indigenous people such as Native Americans, and low-income people. Make no mistake about it. So what does the NEPA law say? How does it protect us? And, and once you understand that, you'll know why these corporate lackeys want to destroy it. So NEPA is really the oldest environmental law in the United States. It's considered the Magna Carta of environmental law. And the Trump administration before Biden also tried to gut it. So this has been going on. But there's three basic principles of NEPA. They are, one, transparency, two, informed decision-making, and three, giving the public a voice. So how does this work? I'm going to read straight from Earth Justice. Number one, transparency. Quote, when the federal government wants to build or fund a project like a highway, port, dam, or prison, it must first disclose its plans to the public. NEPA guarantees that the public is informed of these plans because, after all, the public will have to live with the project's consequences. That's number one, end quote. Excuse me, take a little water. Okay, so that's point number one. Point number two, informed decision-making. Quote, as the federal government prepares to build or fund a project, it must conduct a detailed study of, one, how the project will be built, the consequences of the project, good or bad, for local communities. Three, alternative ways to develop the project that still meet the government's needs but better protect people and the environment. I like that one. And four, measures that can be taken to lessen any harmful impacts of the project, end quote. You can see why big corporate doesn't like this. 
And point number three, again, reading straight from the Earth Justice piece, quote, before a project is started and throughout its development, the federal government must ask the public, including local communities, to voice concerns. They must also ask for local expertise regarding the project. This is arguably the most important pillar of NEPA. It draws on our democratic values to ensure that projects are undertaken with the benefit of our communities in mind. Public input leads to better developed projects with greater consensus and protections for our health and environment, end quote. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so you can see why fossil fuel wants it gone. Keep in mind, when I say fossil fuel, I'm including nuclear, okay, because the nuclear industry still uses fossil fuel to create the new, to as part of the process. I'm also including hydrogen, especially blue hydrogen. We've talked about it in past shows. Blue hydrogen also uses fossil fuels for the process. So far, as far as I know, the only um, sources of energy, excuse me, <coughs> that don't use fossil fuel in any part of the process is solar and wind. So let's look at what has NEPA achieved. Well, the law was written in 1969. It was passed in 1970. It saved a lot of lives. It has preserved a lot of communities. It's protected endangered species and public land, and it saved billions of dollars as well. Um, and I, again, I'm just going to read straight from this because these are the people that know it. Okay. Um, Quote, over the years, NEPA has often been the first and last line of defense against government mismanagement and industry abuse. NEPA's success stories can be found across the nation. Here are just a few examples. Quote, after an old steel mill closed in Atlanta, public input collected through the NEPA process helped turn 138 acres of contaminated land into a safe place to work and live. And that's as documented by protectnepa.org, Georgia, Georgia Atlantic Station Redevelopment. That was the project. Uh, point number two, quote, a federal judge in Alaska sent the U.S. Forest Service back to the drawing board with a plan to log centuries-old trees across 1.8 million acres in Tongass National Forest ruling that local communities had not had a fair chance to weigh in on the proposal. Three, quote, NEPA helped the state of Michigan save $1.5 billion, with a B, when an analysis revealed that improving an existing highway rather than constructing a massive four-lane freeway would save money and prevent the single largest loss of wetlands in the state today. And that was as documented by NRDC.org. <coughs> Excuse me. And number four, Devel quote, developers canceled plans to build the Atlantic Coast Pipeline, which would have carried fracked gas across the Appalachian Trail and through 600 miles of forest and farmlands, underscoring the importance of NEPA, end quote. So NEPA has been a major force. And the NEPA law must stand. Otherwise, we don't have a chance. We just don't. 
And this is what they're really gunning for. It's what the Trump administration before them did. Um, it's easy to just go off on Joe Manchin because he's just so so smarmy. But this is happening on both sides of the political aisle. And their intent is to weaken and really render ineffectual the NEPA law and the Clean Water Act. So whether it's Joe Manchin's dirty deal with Chuck Schumer in return for his vote on the infrastructure bill, or whether it is the Republican plan led by Shelley Moore Capito, also of West Virginia, and Roy Blunt of Missouri, both attempts are clearly made to nullify the NEPA law in particular and take away from the public the only tool they have to demand that environmental impact statements, environmental impact studies are conducted, that they're conducted properly, and they have some accountability and transparency that big fossil fuel or big nuclear can't just dump. The only tool we have, and both parties, with the sole exception of true progressives, are saying that's what we want to do. Both parties. Okay. So let's Okay, so let's go back here now. I've got a bunch of stuff here and I'm trying to find it here. Okay. We know quite a bit now about um the landmark bill. All right. So let me get to this one here. Give me a second, folks. I'm sorry. Uh, this is from The Guardian. Let's see if I can find it. Give me a second. I'm sorry, folks. I've just been a little under the weather lately. What? Fossil fuel harm environment. Okay. There we go. Uh, this article is from August 9th, <coughs> but it hits all the points. And this is from The Guardian. This is a piece written by Nina Lacani, who is climate justice reporter in New York City. The headline reads, Landmark U.S. Climate Bill would do, Will Do More Harm Than Good, Groups Say. Bill makes concessions to the fossil fuel industry as frontline community groups call on Biden to declare a climate emergency. And that's really what has to happen. But this is the Inflation Reduction Act, or the IRA, would allocate slightly under $370 billion to not only rebuild infrastructure, but also reduce uh, the United States greenhouse gas emissions and also invest in renewable energy sources. And that part's fine. The problem is what Manchin wants. This bill also makes concessions to the fossil fuel industry. And that includes, according to this quote, mandating drilling and pipeline deals that will harm communities from Alaska to Appalachia and the Gulf Coast and tie the U.S. to planet heating energy projects for decades to come, end quote. They also quote uh, Colette Pichon-Battle, 
who is from a group called Taproot Earth Vision, which is previously called the Gulf Coast Center for Law and Policy. Quote, once again, the only climate proposal on the table requires that the communities on the Gulf South bear the disproportionate cost of national interest bending a knee to dirty, ener- to dirty energy, furthering the debt this country owes to the South, end quote. There's another um, group here, a senior attorney from SEAL, which is the Center for International Environmental Law. Uh, Stephen Fite is a se- senior attorney, said following, quote, Solving the climate crisis requires eliminating fossil fuels, and the Inflation Reduction Act simply does not do this. Okay? The bill is watered down. Um, and we have another uh, quote here from Jean Su, who is an Energy Justice Program Director at the Center for Biological uh, Diversity. Quote, this was a backdoor take-it-or-leave-it deal between a coal baron mansion and Democratic leaders in which any opposition from lawmakers or frontline communities was quashed. It was an, an inherently unjust process, a deal which sacrifices so many communities and does, doesn't get us anywhere near where we need to go, yet it's being presented as savior legislation, end quote. Couldn't have said it better myself. Okay? This is just an example of where environmental concerns – and political corruption just weave, interweave basically nonstop. You can't separate through. I've said it before. Um, and then there's also a, a quote here. There was a cost-benefit analysis that was conducted by the Climate Justice Alliance. Okay, And it they represent a a broad range of urban and rural groups across the nation. And they concluded that the strengths of this IRA are basically totally, totally outweighed by the weaknesses and threats in the bill that are basically going to be caused by fossil fuel expansion, as well as unproven technologies such as carbon capture, as well as hydrogen generation. And the bill as written what the Biden administration wrote, quote, will, quote, incentivize with billions of dollars of tax credits that will mostly benefit oil and gas, end quote. Wan Zhong Chung from the Michigan Environmental Justice Coalition is also a member of the Climate Justice Alliance and said the following, quote, climate investment should not be handcuffed to corporate subsidies for fossil fuel development and unproven technologies that will poison our communities for decades, end quote. And it's true. So there's also this national coalition of over 1,200 organizations from all 50 states. They delivered a petition uh, to the White House in early August. It had over 500,000 signatures, and it was demanding that President Biden declare a climate emergency, and this group was called People versus Fossil Fuels. Um, and that is, yeah, oh, something just fell. Um, and what they what they explain is that if President Biden declared a climate emergency, that would unlock all sorts of monies for desperately needed climate adaptation, especially in the communities that are hardest hit, namely communities of color, indigenous communities, low-income communities. And it would also allow the president to use executive actions to stop 
quote the expansion of fossil fuels. Uh, there's a final quote here, and this is from Siganik Mopan, who is the executive director of Sovereign Inipuyate for a Living Arctic. And they said the following, quote, this new bill is genocide. There is no other way to put it. This is a life or death situation, and the longer we act, as so the world – okay, let me start again. Okay. Um, <laughs> had a little disfluent moment there. Give me a – okay. Mr. Mopan, Executive Director of Sovereign and New Piet for a Living Arctic, was quoted saying the following, quote, This new bill is genocide. There is no other way to put it. This is a life or death situation, and the longer we act as though the world isn't on fire around us, the worse our burns will be. Biden has the power to prevent this, to mitigate the damage, end quote. And I would agree with that. Now, there's more that can be learned from this. Um, let me go back here. Uh, da, 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 da. There was a piece by the AP where it's talking about how scientists worldwide have conducted a study that four major climate tipping points are close to triggering, which is terrifying. So we're going to try and find that. <clears throat> Give me a second. Uh, Give me a second here. Yeah, AP News, a study. This was done September 8th. Uh, the piece was written by Seth Bornstein, September 8th. Headline from the Associated Press. Study. Four major climate tipping points close to triggering. Okay. And this study said that there is slow, quote, slow but irreversible collapse of the Greenland and West Antarctic ice sheets. More immediate loss of tropical coral reefs around the globe and thawing of high northern permafrost that releases massive that releases massive amounts of greenhouse gases trapped in now frozen land are four significant tipping points that could be triggered at 1.5 degrees Celsius warming. Um, okay, we're just going to go on. Go on and say, quote, current policies and actions put Earth on a trajectory uh, for about 2.7 degrees, way beyond that. Um, and I know that the amount of degrees confuses a lot of people. But one of the reasons we're in trouble is because far too many people in this country are scientifically illiterate. I don't care if you don't like hearing it, but it's the truth. <clears throat> but um, one of the study co-authors is a man named Tim Lenton. He is an Earth System scientist at the University of Exeter in the United Kingdom. He quoted, he was quoted saying, quote, let's hope we're not right. There's a distinct chance some of these tipping points are going to be unavoidable. And therefore, it's really important we do some more thinking about how we're going to adapt to the consequences, end quote. Now, timing is an issue. All right? This is, think of that domino effect. If you tip that first domino, it's very difficult to stop the rest. If you avoid tipping it, you avoid the problem, at least temporarily. If you tip that first domino and things start falling, you might be able to stop it, 
temporarily put a wedge in there, but some damage will already have been done, and we're already there. Uh, the study lead author is David Armstrong McKay, who is a University of Exeter Earth System scientist. He said, quote, it's a future generation issue. That ice sheets collapsing is kind of that thousand-year time scale, but it's still bequeathing an entirely different planet to our descendants, end quote. The idea of tipping points is what is going to, is that domino effect, what's going to be triggered? You know, we've how many insane weather events do we have to witness in our lifetimes before we get it? One-third of Pakistan is underwater. There, there's no guesswork there. It is. And it is directly caused by climate change. And I don't want to call it global warming anymore. In this show, we're going to call it what it is, global climate destruction. Because that's what it is. And it is the West. And then also, not just the West, but also China. We're the areas, the richest areas, and the richest people that are causing the most problem. And it's the poor that are suffering the most. Keep in mind, one-third of a nation like Pakistan is underwater. Let that sink in for a minute. Do you honestly think the politicians, the white Christian politicians would be sitting there calmly if, say, I don't know, one-third of New York City was underwater. No, of course not. But when you're talking about nations with communities of color, all of a sudden we, we somehow seem to think that that's acceptable collateral damage for corporate greed and for our foolish behavior. It's not. So these tipping points are really important, all right? Um, the, one of the study's authors, uh, Mr. Lenton, compared it to someone leaning back on a folding chair, okay? You can just keep tipping and tipping, and you know, eventually you're going to run out of luck and you're going to collapse. Uh, and that's what Lenton says, quote, when you start tipping over backwards, you have in that case a very simple kind of feedback on the forces of gravity operating, propelling you backwards until splat. Okay, so, you know, once again, as a kid, I did something similar. I was on a folding chair in my grandmother's kitchen. The refrigerator was behind me, especially the refrigerator door, and I kept tipping, and they said, Nini, don't do that. And I kept tipping, and I had my head. But, and I learned my lesson, but this problem isn't going to be solved by, you know, grandma giving a kiss on the head and a Band-Aid and a cookie. Another co-author of the study, Johan Rockstrom, who is the director of the Potsdam Institute for Climate Impact Research in, Jim, in Germany, compared this to someone lighting a fuse on a bomb, quote, and then the fuse will burn up until the Big Bang and the Big Bang may be further down the line, end quote. Okay. The permafrost was never supposed to melt. All right. This is going to exacerbate the problem at an exponential level. It just is. And one of the things we have in this country, and we're one of the biggest polluters, us in China, we have the NEPA law. Where we can stop this. But if they water down the NEPA law, then we don't even have that. And look what both parties have done. They let insurrectionists, violent insurrectionists, carrying weapons of war into the capital 
after 9-11, no less. And they're still not facing justice. But sit-in protesters are arrested within minutes of conducting their sit-in. This is, they are determined to, to stop this. And I would say, put bluntly, you know, a lot, there's been a lot of talk about how, and again, today is really an editorial, I'll admit it. There's been a lot of talk about the concern over drug addiction, whether it's fentanyl or um, cocaine or heroin or whatever. I will maintain that our society is being run by addicts. But the addicts are on Wall Street, and their drug of power, their drug of choice is power and greed and monetary consumption. We're being run by insane addicts on Wall Street and beyond. And so while President Biden and his wife go to get, conduct, give their respects to the late Queen Elizabeth, okay, Instead of worrying so much about all that, president they're right. President Biden needs to declare a climate emergency. The question is, does he have the ethical ability to do so? I don't know if he does or doesn't. I really don't. But this is what we're dealing with now. And it is... You know, it's something. Now, just to give you an example here also, the fossil fuel industry, I'm going to give you a little history here. They have known, you know, fossil fuel is the sole cause of global climate destruction. Make no mistake about it. In all its forms. We know that. But the fossil fuel industry is Exxon has known that for over 40 years, and this is based on studies that they conducted themselves. Don't you just love it? Just when you think things can't get any weirder, they do. Okay, so let me find that. Um, uh, Give me a second here. Exxon knew about climate change 40 years ago. Okay, this is a piece that ran in Scientific American back in 2015. It still holds true, but it also includes the very extensive report that was conducted by Inside Climate News. So we're trying to get that right now. So the headline was Exxon knew about climate change almost 40 years ago, written by Shannon Hall in October of 2015. Uh, the subtitle is, A New Investigation Shows the Oil Company Understood the Science Before It Became a Public Issue and Spent Millions to Promote Misinformation. So this is what we're dealing with right now, and it's truly frightening, okay? Um, to put bluntly, the fossil fuel industry we know is the sole cause of global climate devastation, period. Um, the fossil fuel industry lied to the public for decades about the dangers their products pose to life on Earth. There is no, not a single legitimate refutation that the industry can offer. And studies funded by the industry documented this inconvenient truth for decades. Um, The case made in Scientific American was based on this report conducted by Inside Climate News, 
113 pages. The title was Exxon, The Road Not Taken. It was written by journalist Neela Banerjee. I hope I'm saying that right. John H. Cushman, Jr., Dave Haysmeyer, and Lisa Song. And the report, in gory detail, just talks about the systemic lies, the perjured testimonies, and all sorts of obfuscation used by Exxon to deny their role in global climate devastation. Almost identically similar to the lies spread by Big Tobacco. You remember when Big Tobacco sat there and the scientists said, yes, your product causes cancer, and they sat there and said, no, it doesn't. Okay? According to Shannon Hall, writing in Scientific Scientific American, quote, both industries were conscious that their products is a comparison between big tobacco lies and the lies of big fossil fuel. Quote, both industries were conscious that their products wouldn't stay profitable once the world understood the risk. So much so, they used the same consultants to develop strategies on how to communicate with the public. And that's from Scientific American. So now politicians from both parties, as long as they're corporate, they're rushing to enable the fossil fuel industry even further, that's the dirty side deal with Joe Manchin. Um, and, you know, once again, they're pushing these greenwashed lies. Okay? They just are. Um, so, according to Naomi Oreskes, who is a history of science, history of science professor at Harvard, um, she said, quote, it's never been remotely plausible that they didn't understand the science. So they knew. Okay. So the, this piece in Scientific American is based on the report conducted by Inside Climate News. The, the Inside Climate News journalist conducted an eight-month-long investigation. They interviewed former Exxon employees, scientists, and federal officials. They analyzed hundreds of pages of internal documents. And what they discovered was the company knew full well they were causing climate change with their product dating back to July 1977. This is when senior scientist James Black delivered this message, quote, in the first place, there is general scientific agreement that the most likely manner in which mankind is influencing the global climate is through carbon dioxide release from the burning of fossil fuels, end quote. Now, this is senior scientist James Black. He is telling Exxon's management committee this. Then a year later, Mr. Black again warned Exxon that double CO2 gases would increase average global temperatures by 2 to 3 degrees, um, which is consistent with what we know now. I know to a lot of people, they don't understand the two to three degrees thing. Basically, they, it links their product to being the cause of global destruction, global climate destruction. That's it. Mr. Black continued to warn that, quote, present thinking holds that man is a time window of five to ten years before the need for hard decisions regarding changes in energy strategies might become critical, end quote. Now, Mr. Black told Exxon's management committee this back in the late 70s. So where is President Biden? Why isn't he declaring a climate emergency? But he's not. Again, a rhetorical question. Uh, and of course, ExxonMobil disagrees. 
All right, they try to again greenwash it, but you know, once again, you can read it yourself. Um, it's going to. Be, I, I'm working on a piece right now, and all this will be in the piece. So let's move on here. Okay. Um, again, the it's not just Joe Manchin's dirty decide deal. The Republicans are pushing their own. Plan. They call it the START Act, and START is an acronym that means Simplify Timelines and Assure Regulatory Transparency Act. And this is from a PDF from Roy Blunt's own Senate office, HTTPS backslash backslash www.blunt.senate.gov backslash IMO media doc start. You can read it yourself. The top of the PDF for their START Act says the following, that this act is to, quote, clarify regulatory certainty and for other purposes, end quote. What other purposes? And why, why does any industry, why does any corporation deserve regulatory certainty? Okay, that's like basically what a parent going to a college professor and saying, you know, I want great certainty. I know that my child never attended your class. I know that my child has done none of the work and this is an Ivy League college and I'm paying good money so I want certainty from you that my child will get an A that he doesn't deserve. That's what's happening. And that is the START Act that Senator Roy Blunt is basically co-sponsoring with Shelley Moore Capito who again is another Republican from West Virginia Um once again, and Capito has been pushed as this uh, Republican moderate, okay? But she doesn't have to live in the areas that have been rendered uninhabitable. Once again, this is something. There was a good piece in Common Dreams, 1st of September, and it was written by Alec Connor and Ariel Swernoff, and the headline is, As the world floods and burns, it's time to hold Wall Street to account. And it's true. It is time to hold Wall Street account to account. Um, so, you know, once again, we're dealing with this. I know I threw a lot of a lot of information at you guys. Um, the fact is, uh, there's going to be more to come. Uh, I want to make sure that when it comes to the science, that I get it correct. Uh, there, I am working on a piece right now that will most likely publish in BuzzFlash and Nation of Change and Op-Ed News where basically you can find my writings um, and probably erase your review as well. So now we are going to, let's see now, and I lost my place here, doggone it. Um, <laughs> it's been one of those days, folks. So now... Uh, let me grab my phone here because we're getting ready for our Jackass of the Week segment. And it's a good one this week. It is. So I'm getting my sound effects ready. I will get better at this technology thing. You know. But it's difficult. Let's see now. Give me a minute here. Okay. 
So, um, here we go. On videos, I just want the audio, actually. We have to have our jackass brain because it's the jackass of the week. What the heck? What's going on here? Mm. Having a little technical difficulty here. <clears throat> nope, I'm having trouble finding it here. Oh, doggone it. And we have a good one, too. Oh, doggone it. I am so sorry, people. We will get there. We will. Turns out there's a lot of breweries that are called that. That that is very odd. That is very odd here. All right, here we go. So now we have a very special jackass of the week. It's actually a Jenny because it's female, so let me get those sound effects going for you people. Give it a minute. Give it a minute. Come on. It's time for our Jackass of the Week Award. Rayon. Rayon. Okay. This week, we have a very special jackass, um, or rather Jenny. It's a female jackass, and this one's been, I think we featured her before, and that is, God help us, U.S. Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. Now, this time, Lauren Boebert has basically been quoted as saying that she is tired of that separation of church and state junk. Okay. In fact, according to Colorado Newsline, I believe that's her state, she, in an article they uh, headline, quote, Representative Boebert tells churchgoers to rise up at far-right Christian conference. See, apparently, Ms. Boebert thinks that the First Amendment does not have any sort of separation of church and state. And, you know, what can you expect? The woman did obtain a GED. All right, she did, but apparently the part about the First Amendment was skipped. And what she fails to understand is that the First Amendment clearly forbids the government establishment of a religion. What that means, dear little Lauren, is that while the government cannot force religion on you, you can practice if you so desire. The establishment of religion means there is no state religion. Translation, no, this is not a Christian nation. Period. It just isn't. And what she's doing right now in Trumpist fashion is trying to incite a violent civil war. That's it. As a religious minority myself, no, I'm not going to become Christian and I don't want to be. And it's nothing against Christianity. Be Christian. But one of the reasons why people like me do value this country is because you can be religious if you like. You don't have to be. And the government can't force it on you at all. 
But then, let's be honest. Little Lauren, in my opinion, well, you know, she ain't too bright. I mean, what can you expect from somebody, you know, the poor Nebula, who basically, you know, her IQ didn't reach the three digits. Am I calling her stupid? Well, yeah, I am. That being said, we have another jackass. So this is a twofer, all right? We have another jackass of the week, and you guys in Florida will be very familiar. Very familiar. Let me let me put this on again. Ah, come on. And now our second jackass of the week award is Governor Ron DeSantis. Now. There was an excuse for baby Laura because, you know, again, Bubba's IQ does probably does not reach the three digits. So what can you expect from her? But there's no excuse for Governor Ron DeSantis when he tra- illegally kidnapped and sent migrants to other states, lied to them. They had no idea where they were going. They're already terrified. Um, and once again, you know, Ronnie Boy for one thing, is an attorney. He is a product of the Ivy Leagues, including, I believe he has a Ph.D. from Oxford, no less. So Governor DeSantis isn't stupid. He's not, uh, you know, he's not stupid. He's he's bright. He's incredibly well-educated and a lawyer. Let's just face facts. Ron DeSantis is just a bigot, in my opinion. That's it. And what he's doing is he's borrowing a page from Donald Trump because this is what the base wants to hear. The Republican base, the Trumpist base wants to hear basically things that feed into their racism, their anti-Semitism, their misogyny, their homophobia, transphobia, you name it. That's what this is. If these migrants were white Christians, focus on white like from places like the U.K. or France or the Netherlands, they wouldn't be having a problem with them. But they're people of color. This is all about racism. And Ron DeSantis just embraces it, which is ironic, but he does. So this is not something we should take lightly at all. The fact remains that the Trumpist minority that thug group in the GOP, they are, um, you know, what they're spouting is Nazism. See, a lot of people don't realize, I've had uh, Christians ask me, why did the Nazis, why, why did they go after Jews, for instance? Well, it wasn't just because of religious differences. If you actually read the Nazi propaganda written by Nazis themselves, you'll find that Jews, along with other people, were not considered fully white. We were called a mud race, okay, which means mixed. And so it was a a genocide based on racism, and it didn't matter if you were really pale. You were considered colored. That was it, pure and simple. And so when you see Donald Trump, you know, when you talk about the QAnon thing, that, again, that's warmed over Nazism, all right? And we have, when you see him wear a Q pin and then there's the storm is coming, and that was on a magazine cover with Don, a picture of Donald Trump. That phrase, the storm is coming, comes straight from Nazi literature. Period. It just does. And um, 
you know, that's what this is about. You know, the Republican Party has chosen a few pillars to run their elections on. One is the immigration problem. Well, the immigration problem, the way they see it, actually is racism. They don't want people of color here. That's their um, their little uh, replacement theory nonsense, which, again, comes from the elders of the Protocols of Zion, which is neo-Nazism, pure and simple. Okay, They're also pushing, um, you know, no rights for women to control their own reproductive lives. Okay, once again, why do they do that? Because they want white women to have lots of babies, to grow an army. There's no guesswork here, all right? There really isn't. This is all about the intense, the intense meanness and cruelty of white racists here in the United States. That's it. There is nothing else. The Republican Party is a hollow shell. And I've heard people, and again, I'm kind of going past the jackass of the week thing. I've heard people say, well, I know this person. They're, they're a nice Trumper. You know, they're, they, they're for Donald Trump, but they're actually nice. They don't like all that bigotry. Well, here's the deal. If you can remain silent and stay out of the way when these neo-Nazis come marching and pounding on people, you don't like it, you don't do anything to stop it, then that means you're a goddamn Nazi. That's it. It's really that simple. Make no mistake about it. Donald Trump is determined to create a hot civil war if he thinks he can get away with it. And why? Because he wants to avoid being indicted, indicted at all costs. And God help us if he gets back into office. He'll never want to leave. Make no mistake about it. This man is a menace to democracy, a menace to the world. And I won't take it back. So we joke about the Jackass of the Week awards. But the fact is, the ugliness of Nazism that the GOP has embraced is no joking matter. I don't care about moderates that say they don't like it. And if you don't like it, then give Merrick Garland something to go on and prosecute Trump. Because guess what? He violated the Presidential Records Act. Period. He put our national security in dire jeopardy, and he had to have help. The Nazism that Donald Trump is fine with, and his followers especially, is no joking matter. At all. And this show will never, absolutely never give in to the likes of that type of garbage. We are progressive, we are proud of it, and we will never back down to racists and Nazis. So there you have it. Um, was a little off the cuff today, uh, and I will tell especially little Lauren Bobert to bray on, Jenny, because Lord knows that's probably the most sense anything that comes out of her mouth will make. With that, I say good night and God bless us because we're going to need it.